Welcome to the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shayla Toombs-Withers. As a double board certified family and obesity medicine physician with over 12 years of experience in medicine, I teach motivated individuals how to achieve their desired quality of life while preventing and reversing chronic diseases. It's tea time. On today's episode of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast, I have a special guest, Dr. Trina Dora. Dr. Trina helps physicians to stop overeating in a way that doesn't lead to a lifetime of disordered eating. She is a practicing physician, overeating coach, and former binge eater. She graduated from Vanderbilt Medical School and completed a residency program in internal medicine at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. She knows what it's like to struggle with food and feel like you can't fix it on your own. She knows what it's like to feel addicted to food and not be able to stop overeating despite your best efforts. And she knows what it's like to try and eventually fail every diet that you start. So she helps folks to stop bench eating. She know that she can because she used these same evidence-based principles to heal herself. So I'm so excited to have Dr. Trina on the show today. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. All right. So Dr. Trina, we're just going to start really with your story. I would love for you just to share your own amazing story um, about binge eating and how you overcame it. Yeah, so I would say that I have had struggles with food going back to high school. So that's whenever it first started my junior year of high school. I was a cheerleader in high school. And so I definitely remember being acutely aware of what my body looked like and in particular what my body looked like compared to the other cheerleaders. And I was the only woman of color on the cheerleading squad. And I definitely did have a different body than the other girls, but I found myself wanting to look more like them. And I think that's when my eating disorder kind of initially started and there was a lot of restricting of food going on. But in terms of binge eating, I would say that really became the predominant problem just in the last few years. And in particularly with COVID, I definitely remember with COVID, the stress of COVID and that just feeling like the only way I knew how to cope with being a physician and being a mom and having so many responsibilities was to eat. And so that's when the binge eating really got out of control. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting that, you know, you even recognize earlier in age when you were younger and cheerleading and involved in activities that, you know, you look differently. And so that that gave you a feeling uh, even leading to some of the more disorder eating. And, you know, even now with our kids, they're exposed to social media, they're exposed to, you know, all these different television things and streaming and whatnot. And they are exposed to so many messages of how their bodies should look and, you know, how many likes can they get on Instagram because of, you know, how, how many filters and all of these things. And so that is so important for even, you know, parents who are listening to recognize maybe the images that your children are perceiving and taking in um, in their own worlds because that can, you know, even lead over into adulthood into some issues there. Oh yeah, definitely. It's so much worse. I think now because of social media, as you mentioned, 
because kids are just inundated with it, inundated with images. And no matter what your body looks like, there is an image somewhere of a different body. And so it's just so easy to find something that's not yours and then want that and then try to manipulate your body through eating. So whether that be through excessive dieting or sometimes you'll see people binging and purging. So sometimes that will happen. We call that bulimia. Um, Maybe they are excessively exercising, taking laxatives. So yes, this behavior happens in our youth. It does happen in adults as well. Uh, But that is one thing you're right, that a lot of our youth are coming up being exposed to these things and developing eating disorders. And so eating disorders are on the rise. And it's not just women in men too. We're seeing a lot more body dissatisfaction with men as well. Yeah. And so, you know, Dr. Trina, one of the other things you talked about is COVID and the stress of COVID triggering, you know, even some of those unhealthy behaviors for yourself. And, you know, some of the science that has come out of COVID in the studies, we saw that mental health tremendously increased amongst the entire world because we all were dealing with the stress from this pandemic. You know, studies have shown that higher rates of alcoholism, those rates increased amongst individuals, but we hadn't heard much about disorder eating, but it makes sense. You know, for so many people, they couldn't go anywhere. People were stocking up, you know, all of these groceries because we weren't sure, you know, how bad things would truly get. And that does make sense that, you know, people would just turn to food for that comfort. Oh, yes. They actually know that the incidence of eating disorders, or at least people kind of needing help for eating disorders, has gone up. And you're absolutely right. I think just like many other things, food is something people use to cope. And so in in various different ways. So like we said, some people may have been restricting food more. Some people may be binging and purging. Some people just binging. Like those are the more common ways that you might have seen it. And I always like to remind people, eating disorders aren't really about the food and even disordered eating. And and it's a spectrum, right? Disordered eating, eating disorders, kind of a spectrum of severity. And a lot of people think it's just about the food. So they might say, well, just don't eat as much. Or if you're not eating enough, they may say, well, just eat more. But really it's a lot, a lot of what eating disorders are about is about control, And trying to gain some sense of control or trying to deal with life and you're using food to do that. And so when you think about COVID, there was that loss of control. And so if you already maybe were kind of prone to having an eating disorder or on that spectrum, it got worse because then your food was one of the things that you could control. Oh, that, that, and that's so important too. And that makes a lot of sense when life does feel out of control. One of the one things that you can control is, you know, what you're, you're putting in your mouth and putting on your plate. And so it does kind of give some of that, that power, you know, if you feel like some of that power back to you. Even with binge eating, I would only know if I would even say like, I felt more powerful because I was eating, but I felt better. And so mm-hmm. the binge eating for me, the eating part felt better. So I had all this stress and anxiety and fear and worries that were brought on by the pandemic and everything associated with it. And the only thing I knew is when I ate, 
that went away. So sometimes I think it's a lot about control and trying and food maybe being something you can control. But I think a lot of times it's that you don't know any other way to feel better. And you know that food has made you feel better or the manipulation of food has made you feel better. And so that's what you turn to. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. And so what are some key signs um, that someone should look out for or notice even within themselves that may be concerning for disordered eating? Yes. So I definitely think secret eating in secret. That was a big one for me, especially whenever I was binging. So you don't want other people to see you consuming large amounts of food. So there's a lot of secrecy eating whenever other people aren't around. You might have experienced that you feel almost like it's an obsession. Like you can't get food off your mind. You go to the store, you buy it before you're even home. You've just mindlessly eaten a lot of the food. There can be a lot of guilt around eating. So whenever you have disordered eating, a lot of times when you eat, you feel a lot of guilt and shame around what you've eaten because you have these narratives going on in your mind that certain foods are good, certain foods are bad, and that you just did something shameful by eating bad food. And maybe just having a fear of food, uh, a fear of being around food. You feel like you can't control yourself around food. Those could certainly be some signs. And I do have to say, I have never been anorexic. So I would not consider myself an expert on anorexia based on my lived experience. So I don't really talk as much about that. I, my lived experience is much more towards the binge purge and binging uh, spectrum of eating disorders. And so those are certainly things that I noticed within myself it was just the constant obsession, the constant thoughts, never being able to get food off my mind and sometimes legitimately being hungry, but having all of these rules, like maybe you might have a lot of rules. And when you stop and think about them, like, why can you not eat after this amount of time? Or why are you not allowed to eat until 12 PM, even if you're really, really hungry at 11 PM? Or why can you only have fruit at breakfast or, or something like that. Like where did all of these food rules come from that you're sticking to so closely and that are causing you to obsess and think about food all day? Like, I think all of those can be some signs that maybe you don't have a healthy relationship with food. Ah, yeah, those are, yeah, very good points. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. And how does one then begin to overcome binge eating? Right. And again, it all depends on the severity. And so I think when you're more on the disordered eating side of things, you may not be severe enough where you would meet criteria for an eating disorder. And therefore you may not need to go to an eating disorder treatment center. So I'll start on the most extreme side. So the most extreme side, let's say that you do have an eating disorder. There's a lot of different levels of treatment all the way from potentially needing to be hospitalized. And that could be necessary, especially for anorexia. We know that anorexia, I believe the statistic is that it has the highest death rate of all mental illness. You can uh, take a look at that and fact check me, but I know that it can have a very high uh, death rate just because of electrolyte abnormalities and, and things right. like that. And so it might even require hospitalization. And then there's various other levels stepping down from that. 
I did a program called a partial hospitalization program. So for six weeks, every day for six weeks, about 10 hours a day, I was in a program solely focused on just all of the factors that were leading to binge eating and leading me to get to that point. And, and then it could also be you reach out to a therapist, a therapist who specializes in disordered eating, or you reach out to a dietitian. could be something like that. And depending, again, on how severe, maybe even just listening to a podcast or reading a book like Intuitive Eating, for example. I know a lot of people pick up that book and they say, oh, this was the missing piece. And just reading the book, it helps to transform them. So I think it does depend on the severity. And right. if you don't know for sure, if you have an eating disorder, if you may need a little bit more help, there is an organization um, called the National Eating Disorders Association, and they do have a screening tool on there, and then they have some resources on how you can get help. And so wherever you are on that spectrum, I definitely encourage you to get help because even if you don't have an eating disorder, spending your time obsessing about food and having food dominate your thoughts, that's still not a fun way to live. And you might not even realize how much mental energy it's taking because it's just, you know, the way you live your life right now, but it's exhausting. <laughs> and then once you're over that, and then you have, you free up all this brain space, then you're kind of like, oh, wow, so much of my time and attention was spent on food. And now look at all of this mental energy and space that I have for other things that are important to me. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing, you know, I always like to point out to people being in primary care is, you know, start with your primary care doctor. Uh, if you have one, you know, you can start with them and talk about what you may be experiencing with your primary care doctor. You know, for our audience, for those who don't know, binge eating disorder is a true diagnosis now. And it does, you know, come with, with treatment options. And so just really even starting with your doctor to, you know, find out if you truly have that diagnosis so that you can begin with treatment and with therapy. I was just going to mention, you know, that even what you talked about with the binge eating is not so much the food, but there are some mental health components to it. Uh, some of the, the medication treatment, you know, that we use also fall under that class of mental health medications because it does help, you know, to, to process that, that, that brain function and that mindset function of the disorder eating there. Absolutely. And also eating disorders often exist with depression and anxiety exactly. and your primary care physician could be a great resource to help you get that diagnosed and treated as well. And that's a really important piece because especially if let's say you have uncontrolled anxiety or depression and you're using food to cope with it, well, by getting that treated, then it becomes so much easier to deal with the coping mechanism because you're getting that aspect of your mental health taken care of. And so, yes, I do like that you reminded people start with your physician. Yeah. And that's an, another important point too, that it, it's not a, a all or nothing. You can have multiple things compounding. You can have depression, anxiety, and binge eating compounding on each other. So yeah, definitely important to highlight there. If you're frustrated with your weight, taking more medications than you like to, have been told that you are at risk for the development of a chronic preventable disease or just are not feeling in the best of health, then I'm talking to you. Why? 
because you're tired of fat dieting. You know it's time for a change and you want a sustainable plan to improve your health. If you have found yourself at this place in life, well, I have developed a program that's just for you. It's called The Essence of Health and it's your prescription for transformation. My goal with this program is to give you the tools needed to create sustainable lifestyle changes within a group coaching setting, along with one-to-one individualized coaching to give you a personalized path to health that's just for you. The benefits are priceless, so join today. Head on over to eohcoaching.com to learn more. The essence of health is in you. Now, you talked a bit of intuitive eating. Can you explain for us a bit more what that is and how that can be helpful in disordered eating? Yeah, so I first learned about intuitive eating whenever I was in treatment, and it was introduced to me as a way, an alternative, essentially, to approaching food. And so intuitive eating was created by two dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Thresh. And you'll see lots of people talk about intuitive eating, but they were the founders of it. And it's 10 principles. And it's basically designed to help you heal your relationship with food and to think about living your life and your relationship around food in a different way, like a more freeing way where there aren't very strict rules and where food isn't good and bad and where you don't have shame and guilt associated with eating And yes, you can exercise and move your body, but it's more from a place of what feels good and what you love. And yes, you can think about health of food. Like that is a principle. It's the last principle of intuitive eating after you've kind of gotten through everything else. But even it is okay to think about, well, how does food feel in my body and what kind of energy is the food giving me? And so it's just an alternate way to think about food so that it's not about calorie counting and then your sole focus in your entire interaction with food isn't about trying to lose weight or your entire interaction with food isn't about how many calories is this or how much am I going to have to exercise to earn this food? Like it does away with all of that kind of common speak that we have in diet mentality. I remember very clearly, I used to go to the gym a lot and spin and the spin teachers would always say like on on holidays, like I would go Thanksgiving morning, for example, and they would say like, come on, come on, keep going. You got to earn those calories. You got to earn that pie today. And that idea of having to exercise to earn food, that is is completely thrown out the window with intuitive eating. Like there is no earning food. Like we all have a right to eat. We have a right to enjoy our food. We have a right for it to be satisfying and to choose things that we like and to have a healthy relationship with food in our bodies. And so that's what I love about intuitive eating is I think it gives people an alternative of how you can live your life and relate to food in a way that's doable and sustainable. And sustainable is a key because so many diets are not sustainable, but intuitive eating really is something that you could use for life. And so it has really helped me quiet the noise because I had so much noise. And and if you've never had the food noise, maybe it's a little hard to understand when I talk about it, but just imagine if almost every second of every day, I felt like there were thoughts of food in my mind. Like I would wake up and I would think I'm hungry. 
And then I would look at the clock and then I would say, okay, when can I eat? When am I allowed to eat? Okay, what can I eat? How many calories is that going to be? And then up until I let myself eat, I'm thinking about how much I want to eat. And then as soon as I eat, you're battling thoughts of, did I eat too much? Was that too many calories? Is that okay? And then you're thinking, okay, when can I eat again? <laughs> and then what am I going to allow myself to eat? And how many calories will that be? And then how many, will, you know, literally like all day long, this is what was going on in my mind and beating myself up. And, oh my gosh, I can't believe I messed up. And I ate two M&Ms instead of one M&M. And you know, how much do I need to exercise today? And oh my gosh, what is the scale going to say tomorrow? And okay, well, maybe I shouldn't weigh tomorrow. Maybe I should weigh today. And like, literally this went on all day long and I'm trying to see patients and I'm trying to take care oh, of kids, my kids and my family, but it's like this voice and it just wouldn't stop. And so intuitive eating is a way to get freedom and to get that voice out of your mind and just have your life back. <laughs> like that's why I feel so passionately about it is because it's really helped me to get my life back. Wow. That and that's such a great way of explaining that too, you know, just the that that constant voice that was in your mind. And just to think, you know, how much mental clarity you, you gain by, you know, losing all of that that constant chatter in your head and in your thoughts to do that. And, you know, one of the things that you touched on uh, is about diet culture in general and how it's always about, you know, how many pounds can you lose? How many, you know, calories can you burn off and this kind of thing versus health. And really, you know, one of the things that I always highlight is that food is fuel and, you know, we do have to eat because it, it does, it helps our body, it helps our bodies to function, it, it feeds our organ systems. And, you know, it's so important. We should think about, you know, food and fueling our health and for sustainable health and not so much, like you said, you know, what what's the scale going to say today and what's that look like? Yeah, certain food choices will certainly, you know, uh, put us at risk for certain health conditions, but in the same breath, certain food choices will help us to prevent those conditions and will help us to reverse those conditions. So if we think of food more in the terms of fuel and not so much as a, a weight loss tool, because weight truly isn't the, you know, shouldn't be the the full, the full goal of the, the spectrum there. And then also even in intuitive eating and kind of the anti-diet mindset, we would say no food is bad food and all foods fit. That's what I always tell people, those two phrases. No food is bad food, all foods fit. And basically what that means is the no food is bad food means don't put food into morality categories. And so, yes, it is true that Reese's peanut butter cups, for example, have more sugar than maybe if you're eating broccoli. But the problem by calling Reese's peanut butter cups bad is then if you have a desire for them, which at some point you're gonna have a desire for something, something that you like. If you think it's bad, then you, then you therefore are bad for having eaten it. And then that's when the guilt comes, that's when the shame comes. And then you try to correct by not eating it and saying, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be strong. I'm not gonna eat it. But again, at some point you're going to want it again and you keep fighting against that. And then you finally give in, but instead of just eating the Reese's peanut butter cups, now you're eating that. Plus you decide to grab some Skittles and you just decide to grab some Rice Krispie treats and some ice cream yeah. and you just eat it all and shove it all down. It all goes downhill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's where the like no food is um, bad food. And then we say all foods fit because even though there are different 
nutritional compositions of food and it fuels your body in different ways. It's the same thing. We try not to say that you can never have this particular other type of, of food, like because then it, it becomes restrictive. And when you're prone to having disordered eating or an eating disorder, the restriction is the thing that kills you. And so I'm not saying that this is the case for everyone. I just speak from yeah, yeah. my experience or people who are like me. <laughs> it's the right. restriction that really sets you off. And so if you kind of say, well, and, and this is a common trap that people will fall into is they say, well, I'm just trying to be healthy, right? I just, I'm just worried. I'm just worried about my health. I care about my health. But if that is another diet, essentially under the guise of health, if you're somebody who struggles with this, then that restriction is still going to lead you down that pathway of binging. So there's so many people I talk to who say, well, I'm just healthy. I just try to eat healthy, but then they're still struggling eating chips at night and, and not just eating chips, but like eating the whole bag of chips. And they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why am I doing that? Or why am I still eating the ice cream? And it's because they've just, they call it health, but they've turned it into another restrictive plan. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that does make sense too. Right. Which is important. It's the work that you do as a coach and why you help people with this. And, you know, even with that in mind, why did you choose uh, physicians as your focus? Right. So I definitely think that there are some unique challenges of being a physician. You're, we're always under stress, some amount of stress. Like I feel like there's this sure. baseline <laughs> level of even just the work we do and how important it is and how important it is to get it right and be precise and, and all of that. And so again, if you're someone who uses food to help you deal with stress and life in general, because you, you, you just like me are in a lot of physician forms and we see the stress, uh, the stress of trying to be a physician and being a mom and being a partner and a friend and all of it. And so if you're someone who's prone to dealing with that by eating, then this becomes difficult. And for me, it's just really important because again, I know that not everybody is like, is like me. And so, you know, when I first got out of treatment, I was very much like, I just learned this amazing thing and I have to tell everybody. <laughs> and so now I'm kind of more at the place where I'm like, well, maybe, maybe everybody doesn't need to hear what I have to say. You know, I don't know. I, I can't say that everybody must hear what I have to say. But I know there's somebody out there. I know there's somebody out there who is like me, who cannot figure it out. And maybe they've tried all the other plans that their friends are trying, or they've tried to lose weight. And every time they try to lose weight, they just end up binging and they don't know what's wrong and they don't know why they can't stop eating and they hate themselves because of it. And I'm like, that's the person I want to help. And that physician who's like, I don't get it because this was me. I don't get it. Everything else in my life has always come easy. I've been able to figure it all out. I can go study. I can go read <laughs> and figure yeah, this yeah, out. Right. Yeah. But I'm I a smart person. Why can't I? Why exactly. can't I? You know? <laughs> yeah. I can't, can't figure this part out. And so that's who I want to help. Um, just if there's somebody like me, I and I don't know if you could like. I mean, you're you're looking at me, and, and I don't know if your viewers who are listening to this could see my face and I was talking about the food chatter, but it was miserable. And so I want to help other people who were in my place. Well, and first, 
Essence of Health Tea Time podcast is also on YouTube on the Essence of Health channel. So for those folks to see your face, which I encourage them to do so, they can find it on YouTube. Um, and I am going to make one correction to what you said. Everyone should hear what you have to say, <laughs> because even if they personally aren't dealing, you know, with eating disorder or disorder eating condition, they may have a friend or a family member, or a co-worker, or somebody who is. And so, you know, part of what you and I both do, we share messages, not so much, it may not even apply to you directly, but you may know someone who it can help and who it can apply right. to, and to share that message with them too, um, to be a helper. Right. Okay. So Dr. Trina, if someone feels like they may be uh, facing this, what would you say for them to just take in that next step to uh, start to get help? Right. So one thing I always like to talk about is the shame that can be associated with having disordered eating and just not having it all together. And, and honestly, that applies even more than eating. Maybe you're a listener of this and you drink too much or you know some other unhealthy way that you are dealing with your stress. And that usually comes with shame. And as physicians in particular, again, because we are used to being able to figure everything out, through our cognitive abilities, when you can't figure this out, I feel like it becomes even more shameful. And there's fears about getting help and there's fears about other people finding out or you know how might that uh, affect you as a physician. And so what I usually encourage people to do is, yes, it's uncomfortable, but still seek help. Even if you have to do it when you're afraid, even if you have to do it while you're still feeling shame, because when you're on the other side, like it's, it's so much better. And I think when you're in it, you can't sometimes even realize how amazing it is on the other side. And so I had a lot of shame. Like, in fact, whenever I left my job to go do the treatment program for six weeks, I didn't tell anybody, like I called my medical director and I was like, I have a medical emergency and I'm, you know, applying for FMLA. And he, he didn't ask, but I wouldn't have told him even if he had asked. And I remember my coworkers would, you know, text me and say like, um, are you, are you okay? You know, we don't want to pry. And I was just very secretive, you know, I was like, thank you for checking. Yes, I'm fine. Because I just had so much shame around it. So that's what I would want to encourage people to do is even if you're feeling that way, go get help. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's so important to, yeah, to, to one, be mindful that help exists. Um, and then to, yeah, to seek it out and just, just go do it. Yeah. So. Contact me if you want to. I mean, I have had people, I've had physicians who've heard me tell my story. He'll send me a DM and be like, I heard you tell your story. I think I might have a problem what do I do next? And I have, you know, I have no problem. I'm not going to say, give me $50 and then I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, and I'll give you some resources and help point you in the direction. Like I, I want, I don't know if your audience is just physicians. Obviously I want everyone to get help, but in particular, I do have a heart for physicians. And so I want physicians to get help with this. Right. Yeah. And now my audience is not just physicians. Um, they're folks of, of all sorts. Um, but, you know, like we've talked about, it's still, you know, helpful information for everyone. And I know that you have a podcast too. And so just share with my audience, how can they connect with you? 
Yeah, so I would say the two main ways are my website. And so it's foodfreedommd.com. And so I actually have a freebie on that website where you can download a 10-day email challenge on intuitive eating. So hopefully that can be helpful, foodfreedommd.com. And then my podcast is called Diet Culture is BS. And so I would love for you to check that out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me today on the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. Click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss a moment of the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. Check out the show notes to obtain your free tips for healthy living guide to get you started on your health and wellness path. Follow me on social media at Essence of Health Wellness Clinic on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and at dr.tw at eohwc on TikTok. Interested in becoming a member of the Essence of Health Coaching Program? Well, head on over to www.eohcoaching.com. The Essence of Health is in you.